Welcome to Live to Grind. My name is Brennan T. Adams, serial entrepreneur, inventor, TV creator, and speaker, passionate about helping others create something great and become unforgettable. Join me each week to discuss practical ways to help you increase your income and impact as an influencer in your industry. My goal is to help you take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and it has been a long time since I've had a guest on the show. But I'm switching it up. I'm bringing a guest on. I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we had the release of Success in Your City. And that morning, prior to the event, I actually spoke at a market center, and I met this guy named Chad Alexander. Really hit it off, and then he came to the premiere. We hung out at the event, and after hearing more about him, I had to get him on the show. Uh, I wanted him to just share his experience from building businesses, selling them, and also in the speaking and coaching industry. So on this podcast show, we have Chad Alexander, who is now, he's doing a lot of speaking, he's doing a lot of coaching, but in this episode, you're going to hear how he built up a business, doing Autoglass, by the way, how he built up that business, seven to almost eight figures in revenue, and sold that back in February, crazy enough, actually the same month I sold the ice business, talk about how he built that business up, what he learned from that business, and how you can apply it to all other businesses that you were doing in your life or you want to pursue. He talks about the power of your worth, how a lot of coaches, a lot of speakers, they don't charge enough. And we really went back and forth in this because it's so true. There are so many coaches out there that are charging per hour. Maybe they're doing three, four, five hundred $500 an hour. Talk about why you shouldn't even say per hour and how you come up with the value of your product, how you interpret that value, how you sell it at the high level and how you actually get clients for that. And then we go into his speaking, how he actually, I didn't even know this, he got hired by a company to be a speaker. Actually, a full-time job salary where he traveled and spoke to colleges. And he talked about how he did that and how after he left that company, he went and utilized those contacts for building up his own speaking career. And then him and I go back and forth on just the mindset and meditation and different things that entrepreneurs deal with on a regular basis, how to overcome stress, how to overcome some entrepreneur's depression and all the crazy things that happen in the entrepreneurship lifestyle. So this is going to be a good show. Dude, this guy is an amazing guy. Um, you're going to really like this. I enjoyed this conversation. So let's jump right into it with Chad Alexander. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brendan C. Adams, and on today's show, we have Chad Alexander. Chad, how you doing, my man? I am doing fantastic. How are you? Doing great, man. I, you know, I'm excited about this interview. We met, it was just a couple weeks ago, at the premiere of Success in Your City. And I, we actually met in the morning, our mutual friend, Scott Kibbers, and I was speaking to your guys' market center. And you, I knew right away, like when you were in the audience and you were the first one to sit there, we got talking. I'm like, dude, this guy knows all the things I'm talking about. I can tell we're very alike. And I thought, well, hey, let's get him on the show. And I can ask you questions, kind of deep dive deep into everything you're doing, whether it's the speaking space, the business space. I know one thing we have in common is we both sold a business in February. So yeah. I'm sure that's been yeah. a transition for you and, and everything you're doing. So I want to jump right into it. 
Okay. What was the business you sold in February? And talk about just from where it started, how you grew it, and the process of selling it. Okay. Uh, well, in short, it was an auto glass service business here in Phoenix, uh, pretty much all the state of Arizona. By the time we sold it, we were doing business in Las Vegas, Denver, Dallas, uh, Miami, Florida, and then everywhere in Arizona. Uh, with that went window tinting, and then we had a software company that we developed software for the auto glass space. And we ended up packaging all that together, and I sold my piece to uh, one single individual uh, and, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was a great transaction for everybody, but, uh, I started that business. I mean, it became a traditional auto glass business, but I started it with web marketing. Uh, we yeah. just started generating leads. I, I had, uh, I found an auto glass guy that was willing to pay me X amount for every deal that I brought him. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to do something online. He goes, yeah, I've heard that before. And I said, okay, well just give me six months and we'll see. And, uh, within four months we started running deals through him. Uh, within about six or seven months, he couldn't believe how much business we were bringing him and he wanted to buy us out right then and we didn't sell. Uh, so we just held on to it, built it up, became multi-city. Um, it took our partnership kind of away from him, became our own auto glass company and uh, did that for a few years. And then I just sold my piece off to him and uh, we have a great relationship, but it was, it was a wild ride. So it, it was about five years. Uh, five years totally you were in the business? Total. Yeah. Okay. So when you started, you started zero revenue and you, you had got it to seven figures, correct? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Almost eight figures, but yeah. Oh, wow. Um, That's impressive. In, in five fact, years I, time. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, it, it was a quick feat, but at the time it was all SEO. I mean, if you knew what to dominate, uh, in the digital space, as far as how people were trying to find their auto glass service, once we dialed that in and we knew we had one that worked, uh, we dominated and we ended up not just having the top space on Google. When you search the, the major keywords in the area, we actually controlled six different places on page one. So how did you do that? So what were the specific things you did to control the SEO? What keywords and like what strategies do you do in that four month span at the beginning to get that? So uh, in the beginning, it wasn't that. In the beginning, it was just uh, the, the one site and it was one page and it got to the top of Google. Uh, we ended up getting it in the top three, uh, I think in about four months. And within the five month mark, we were at number one. In fact, the guy that we were selling our, our leads to uh, and the business to, he was number one and we knocked him out of that spot. And wow. he had been there for like six years. And that was one of the things that he called in. He says, I don't know how you did it, but nobody's ever done it before. He goes, I want you guys. <laughs> and so uh, we knew that we absolutely had something, but the keywords, uh, it was just a matter of finding the, figuring out the ones that everybody was searching for. I mean, auto glass is not something that's sexy. It's, you know, it's not something that um, people necessarily window shop. You know, they're not kicking the tires uh, for auto glass. It, it's because their windshield cracked or their car got broken into or yeah. whatever. Uh, and, and that's their need. So it, it's an instant need. And so we just developed this process digitally uh, that allowed us to dominate in that space. And then after we did that, we just created uh, other pages. Um, we had auto glass services listed on our window tinting page. So on the same keywords, our window tinting site showed up number two. 
So if it needed auto glass services or they found it through that page, it redirected them back. Uh, then by working with a couple of other auto glass companies, we beefed up their rankings. And so by the time it was said and done, we had purchased one of the largest auto glass companies in our second year. Uh, wow. We purchased one of the largest auto glass companies, been around for 15 years. He was all over the radio here, uh, multi-million dollars. And so we did a deal with him and, and ended up controlling his brand at that point. And so by the time it was all said and done, yeah, six of the 10 page spots on Google, including the map section, uh, we controlled all of that. And so because of that, we were generating, uh, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of seven, 8,000 leads uh, a year. And out of that, I mean, we were probably, in fact, I may be off. I, I, I'd have to go back and yeah. look, but uh, it, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of about four to 500 auto glass deals every single month. Uh, that we ended up doing at an average of like $500 a deal. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's insane. So what were people, when they were searching line, what did you figure out? Were they typing in like, Hey, just how to replace the window or what, what were the Windshield replacement Phoenix. And, you know, we, we specifically zeroed in on long tail keywords uh, because we knew that that was an ultra refined market. We didn't just type in, you know, we didn't want to just go after like auto glass. Uh, everybody does that. Or you could go just auto glass, Arizona. Well, everybody does that. Uh, and, and you have to monitor them because it, it's a way people change their, their process, thought process change, the way they refine their searches changes, the way Google delivers up the results changes. Um, and, and so you have to constantly stay on top of all that. But the initial biggest keyword was windshield replacement Phoenix. And it was kicking out 3,600 leads or 3,600 searches a month on wow. that one keyword. And, uh, and for us, we looked at it and went, wow, okay, nobody's really doing anything with this keyword. Nobody really controlled the space. In fact, on those three, when you looked at the number of page results, a lot of times you see like, you know, 10 million pages uh, for a keyword result. When we were looking at it, there was like 200. That what were it. you paying per lead? Do you know? Uh, it, it cycled throughout the year because in, in auto glass, it was cyclical. So in the summertime is when it really beefed up and it was really busy. Um, so it, it, on the low end, we were about $9 a lead. On wow. the high end, we were about $22 a lead. And what, and what is that, like a four or $500 product? Um, for, I mean, yeah, for auto glass on average, it's about 500 bucks to us. That's a damn good conversion. <laughs> so, yeah, well, and, and what was nice is when we got our process dialed in, it, it was two parts because we obviously we weren't closing the deals. Uh, we were just getting the leads in the door. We were making the phone ring. We were getting the web forms and, and we had the numbers so dialed in that literally uh, we could take all of the calls that we had coming in. And we would throw out two thirds of them in our account for people that were calling back for sales calls, companies calling for this and that wrong numbers, whatever. And so we knew after uh, about a year and a half of just tracking our numbers and refining our numbers, we had it so dialed in that we knew every time we flipped the switch that we out of 100 phone calls, 50 of them were going to be, or out of 100 leads, 50 of them were going to be phone calls, 50 of them were going to be web forms. We were going to close 47% of them. Of wow. the 47% that we closed, 50% were cash deals, 50% were insurance deals. Of the insurance deals, we knew that another 50% of those had about a $300 add-on 
because they needed to be calibrated for you know rain sensors and lane departure warning systems and things like that. Uh, and so those are all integrated. And so we knew what all these numbers were going in. So we knew exactly which buttons to push on people uh, and how to move them through the system and really automate the process. But then it took the auto glass company, their CSRs to actually close the deals. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're in a unique situation here in Phoenix. I mean, people get cash back for windshields all the time. There's companies advertising 300 back, 400 back, 500 oh, wow. back. Uh, just to pay. I mean, you do a Range Rover, it's a $2,000 windshield and yeah, I can give somebody two, $300 back on that. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. And there's only like 13 states that are like that. That's why we were very picky uh, about what markets we chose. And the, the, the advantage that we had amongst every other glass company in the business essentially was the, the old model was you opened up a shop. Uh, you got a shop, a brick and mortar business. Uh, you had to buy this software that you paid every month for that was in the marketplace. There was like four pieces of software that were standard. They were all junk, like 1980s garbage. Yeah. Um, and, and so we just, I, I, I just dialed in, me personally, I, I looked at this whole industry and went, there's an opportunity here, there's an opportunity here, there's an opportunity here, and I can build a spoken wheel around this. And I knew that if we could generate the leads digitally, without ever having a brick and mortar, without ever hiring an employee, just start with generating a lead and then sell that lead to an auto glass company that was willing. What I learned is pretty much nationally, every auto glass company will pay you for an auto glass lead yeah. at some level, uh, at some point. And so I, I just kind of dialed in and said, well, if we can do this and do it inexpensively, we're gonna have a major leg up over everybody else out there. We never did have a brick and mortar office. In fact, for the first three years of the company's life, everybody worked from home. We delivered computers to the CSR's homes. We had software that actually allowed them to log in. We could record all the calls. We could run it like a call center. And we never had an office. Or a I love that you cut your overhead. We cut it completely. And so we had brand new vans, but our installation techs were, they'd pick them up at the dealership. They'd outfit them with their tools and they'd drive them home. Wow. And so every job we did was a come to you service. It was a mobile service. Uh, and so we just, we literally merged virtual and service-based into one company under one platform and just blew it up. So what did you, it's so smart, by the way, I mean, cutting the overhead, I, I know from coming in the background in the ice business, like how much overhead with trucks and employees and all that. Mm -hmm. And you basically eliminated the overhead. I mean, you made it a lot easier to run the business and find the leads. What would be the lesson you took away from the autoglass business that can relate to other entrepreneurs in business? Like what'd you learn from that experience that others listening can use for their own business, whatever it may be? Uh, partnerships, contracts, always get it in writing. I don't care how much you like the person. I don't care how great things are in the beginning. Um, always have it in writing. And it's a lesson that I learned before this business that thankfully by the time I got into this business, uh, I had already learned this lesson. Yeah. And so when it came to dealing with my partners and setting up the agreements and how things were run, um, one, I had complete control, but there were, as far as people go, there were five individuals involved. Um, but it started with just me and, and my digital marketing guy, Randy. And yeah. so, uh, but being able to grow the business, bring on revenue, bring on investors for different projects, uh, 
and set things up in such a way that you know how you can exit, but you also know how you can keep control. Those are key. Uh, handshake deals don't work. They always end badly. And the statistics don't lie. You know, mm-hmm. something like after a six-year period, 75% of all small businesses that start up, gone. Yeah. Uh, and so things do go south. People do get greedy. And I, it, it's funny because one of the things that I have said to my partners, one of the things that I have said for years before I even knew these people was that money makes you more of what you already are. And I've now included power in that money and power make you more of what you already are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's core, if, if you're greedy and, and money starts to show up, the greedy partners are going to show up too. Uh, the backstabbing is going to start. I mean, it, it happened. Uh, and it was to some degree detrimental. We got through it, but it almost blew the company up uh, when things started going south because we did have one partner in Bezel, almost 170 grand. Oh, wow. And uh, there were a lot, of, a lot of eyes looking at me because I'm the president of the company mm-hmm. uh, and I've, I've got control. Uh, even though these, this partner really legally had kind of a right to do what he did, uh, at the same time, per our contract, he didn't. I mean, he was a partner. He could do what he did with the money. Uh, but per our contract, no, he couldn't do that. Uh, and so it, that, it gave us a way out, thankfully. But, yeah. That's why it's good to, I mean, having the contracts in place, having it in paper. Because, I mean, I, I'm kind of personally, like, yes, yeah, a handshake, like you're good for your word. But also you think about a contract is you look one, two years from now, you may not remember what you guys agreed upon. It's mm-hmm. something you can go back to is like, hey, here's, because that's what I've learned when you're in a part of something for a long enough time. It's like, okay, what was our agreement upon? Like, what were the details? And you can right. both go back to it and it holds you accountable and what your expectations right. are for going to that. So you, that's one great lesson. And I, I mean, I'd share the same one about business partnerships. You do a lot of coaching for entrepreneurs now, athletes and, and, and all kinds of amazing people. What are some other tips that you can give for people in a business, you don't, you see a lot of people that make mistakes and you come in and help them to scale their business. What are mm-hmm. some mistakes that people make on a regular basis? What that limit them from scaling their business? I would say it's, there's twofold. Uh, and they're they're I see them both equally. One is mindset, obviously, uh, what they believe they can, their positivity about a situation, how they, they work through their problems. The other, Uh, as it relates to business, is marketing. All too often, excuse me, all too often, the biggest thing that I see with with small business marketing is haphazard. They're just, they're throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, They're throwing money at Facebook advertising because they watched a YouTube video and they think that they're now a Facebook expert. Uh, You know, and, and, and they wonder why the leads don't come in. And there's a reason why guys who do this in the digital space do very specific things. And there's a term in the digital space for all you small business owners listening that don't understand this. And it's called a funnel. And we use sales funnels all the time. And there's very specific methodical processes. And the things that we do are so psychologically uh, enhanced. Uh, We have taken decades and decades of marketing experience and and refined it into the digital world. The the words that you're reading, the, the pictures that you're seeing, the processes that you're going through before we finally turn you into a lead, it's very well thought out and methodical. Uh, if you are not intentional about your marketing, 
and you are advertising kind of one style and one brand in the mailers that come in the mailboxes if you're a service business uh, or if you're a coach and you're marketing yourself out there to just anybody and don't really know exactly what problem you solve for somebody uh, or if you're an athlete and you don't know how to just kind of focus yourself in a moment uh, and perform at a peak level on a moment's notice and just be able to call that that into your focus instantaneously uh, these are the things that that take people down across the board yeah uh, so when it comes to small business be intentional about your marketing uh, I, I know I kind of went all over the place tweak. There, but, well no like so uh, what I can take away from that is test it trial and error tweak it but start at a smaller level Correct. Don't just like put all your money in, like hope it's going to work, like start at a smaller level, see what's working. And then the area that is working in your marketing, double down in that area. And think for decades, you hear that from different people and you, from entrepreneurs and investors and you know, whatever, but think bigger. And I'll give you an example. Um, I was talking with a gentleman one day and had a carpet cleaning business. And he said that uh, he didn't have the money to advertise. He was working his butt off, but then he wasn't getting very many jobs. He was relying on his business partner to yeah. be the sales guy. Handshake deal. And I'm going, oh, this is, you're in trouble already. And I said, but let's, let's take a look at this. And we mapped out where he wanted to go, how much money it was going to take for him and his partner to actually live and pay their bills. And if he worked a six hour day, what that would look like. And so we started there. And for every small business owner listening, start there. And then I'm gonna show you how to think bigger really, really quickly. Uh, so when we looked at his industry, I said, okay, you do a service in home. And I said, what are the other services that your target market, homeowners, people that are calling you into their home, they're your target market. What is it that, what are the other services that they are calling and having people come into their home for? What are they? Is it alarms? Is it tile and grout? Is it uh, electrical work? Is it a plumber? And so we looked at all of those things and I said, now, which ones are least likely to be in competition with you? That, find the opposite, find your opposite mm -hmm. side and then call them up and find the biggest one. Find the biggest one you can. This is the thinking big. Don't call Billy Bob because you think, hey, we're two small business guys. We can help each other. No, find the big guy in that, in that opposite space. Yep. So if you're a carpet cleaner and, and we're looking for a plumber, right? Uh, sometimes plumbers make messes. And then the, you know, the, the homeowner says, hey, Mr. Plumber, you need to clean my carpet, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's one aspect. Now, a lot of people think, oh, that's, that's where he's going with this. No. Find the big guy who's been doing digital marketing, because if they've got an email list, here's what can happen. And here's the numbers that we know in the digital marketing space. We know that you're going to get a 3% response rate on average if you do most things properly. So if you have an email list from this plumber of 10,000 customers, not just marketing people, but people that have done business with them, mm -hmm. people that they stay in touch with. You say, hey, Mr. Plumber, it doesn't cost you anything to send out 10,000 emails. What if we partner up, you send an email out to your list advertising our services, and for everybody that comes through, we'll share the profit with you on that for the first time through mm -hmm. on the first service. But all the repeat business is ours on that service. It doesn't cost you anything for marketing and advertising, and you just got yourself in front of 10,000 people at the side of somebody they've already done business with 
So they will trust them more and trust their recommendations more. Yeah. And if you send that to that list every single month, if you do the math, you're looking at 300 leads a month, right? 3%, 300 leads a month coming at you because the same people that did it last month, are not going to be the same people that respond this month. Yeah. Right. So you can send it to the same 10,000 people once a month, non-intrusive. And you're going to get 300 leads a month from that one source. It costs nobody anything. I think that it's so smart how you tell them to reach out to the top dog, but then figure out, you figure out the other services that are like that and then find a way to make them money. And then obviously mm -hmm. you're making money from the leads and just go off of their audience already built. That's what business is all about. Yeah, that's, I like it. I, well, I, I think about that in other aspects, but when we're thinking of the plumber and the carpet cleaning and stuff, I never looked at it that way. But I mean, that's mm -hmm. totally, it's like the same thing. Every target market out there doesn't just buy your service. They buy other services. You yeah. just have to figure out what those services are for your specific target market. And the more refined and narrowed your target is, and then you figure out that opposite, the more refined your referral marketing is going to be. Let, let's talk about, because we had a conversation about this um, before the show, like a week ago, we're talking about how a lot of people don't charge what they're worth. And we yes. were talking specifically in the coaching speaking space. Can yep. you talk about how a lot of the people you've worked with uh, that they're, they're charging way less and they don't understand the mindset behind charging what they're worth and how you interpret to them how to communicate what they're worth and getting actually paid what they're worth. Well, uh, I've had the same conversation with multiple business partners and joint venture partners. So this applies from everything in the digital marketing space to service-based businesses to software development. Uh, uh, it, it applies across the board, especially in the coaching realm. Most coaches, for example, uh, they'll charge by the hour on a one-on-one -on -one service, 250, 350, $400 an hour. And if they get one hour a day with a client, then they're making a decent living. They're, they're pretty happy. They're making 50 grand a year and great. Uh, which by the way is about the average income for a coach. If, so think about that being the is average. Is that what it is? That's the about, average? Yeah, it's about 50 grand. I'd have to look it up to tell you the exact number, but it's right in there. Uh, and so if you think about that and how many coaches I know that make well, well into the six figure range, that leaves room for a whole lot of people that never make any money as a coach. Yeah. Um, and, and so part of that again is the marketing. Uh, they think that they can just help everybody and anybody with any problem. Stop doing that. That that's your primary mistake. Number one. Uh, number two, don't charge for your service based on what you think you're worth. And here's an example. Uh, in the, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. In the digital marketing space, you see a lot of guys that say, okay, well, it cost me X amount to do the website, X amount to do the blogs, X amount to do some backlinks. Uh, and I'm gonna take that price and I'm gonna triple it and that's what I'm gonna charge. Mm -hmm. Okay, seems like a decent retail business model. In the coaching space, same kind of thing. Uh, they, again, coach one-on-one, -on -one, 250, 300, $400 an hour, whatever the case may be, one-on-one -on -one with the client. And you limit yourself when you do this. Now, same digital marketing guy. I went to him <clears throat> and I said, how much would you normally charge for X service? And he said, I would normally charge about $1,500 a month. And I kind of shook my head. And I said, in this particular space, you should be charging about $6,500 a month. 
for the exact same service you just described. And that's saying, it, are we talking like finding leads for a coach or somebody else or just? Yes, that's, okay. that's exactly what Because I mean, you think about it, one client would be worth it to them if they're charging 10, 20, 30 grand for coaching. Correct. If the coach is, is charging properly, right? Yeah. And so that's who your market is. That's who you want to find because they're out there. I'm one of them, but that, that's who you're going to find. Um, and so when, when we're talking about that, I say you need to think about the person you're selling the service to. Put yourself in their shoes. What is this worth to them? Okay. Perfect example. And I think this is the coach that we were talking about. She's a relationship coach. Yep. And so I, I worked with her and she helped save marriages and she was charging by the hour. She was charging $350 an hour for a couple. Uh, and she, I think it was uh, $300 an hour for the individual uh, because not all the time did you have the people to, yeah. <laughs> that wanted to do it together. And, uh, and I said, first of all, stop doing that. I said, because a person who's about to lose their marriage after 15 years could give a shit about 300 bucks. They could give a shit about a thousand bucks, to be honest with you. But if you charge them 10,000 bucks and you guarantee them a solution and, and you know that you can walk them through this and save their marriage and you've proven it and you've done it and you have that skill. And I said, so if, if you've done that, 10,000 bucks is going to hurt a little bit, but it's worth it because if mm -hmm. it saves their marriage and saves their livelihood, it's a small price to pay. And I said, that is how you need to look at it. If I'm in this situation uh, and I'm losing my marriage, is it worth it to me to, to spend 10 grand to save it if I really truly believe that I'm gonna get this marriage saved, that the solution's gonna come? Because mm -hmm. at the $200 level, at, you know, and, and you tell me it's gonna be a month, four, five, six, seven, eight sessions, whatever, $200 uh, an hour, okay, so a couple grand. And, and it's gonna take me, eh. All right, I'll try it, but I'm not going to give it my full effort. But if I give it 10 grand, you know I'm going to give my full effort. It, 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 I love how you put in the relationship example. Because, I mean, I, I'm thinking about this for a lot of things for people over the past four years I've worked with. The relationship one is like, what do you, you can't, how do you put a price on a saving a marriage? I mean, $10,000, no. I mean, at that point, it doesn't matter. Is it 20000 but I think we have this conversation too. If somebody's making, let's say, eighty to one hundred and forty thousand a year, they can do ten grand. I mean, it does hurt. But the more that people pay, I found out, the more that people pay, the more they pay attention because there's Correct. there's a huge commitment to that. Correct. But also, what happens is to the coach, to the person that's getting paid, the more they get paid, the more they're going to pay attention, the more value they're going to give. So I feel like right. coaches are actually hurting themselves and their clients by charging per hour because if they're not charging enough, they're not going to be all mentally in because they're not getting what they're worth and vice versa. So I think it's your duty to charge more because it, it's a win for everyone. It's a win for everybody. But then the other side of that, that a lot of coaches fall into that I want to make you guys aware of uh, that are thinking about it for that purpose is don't think now that because you can provide that solution and you say, okay, yes, it's worth more. Now you're charging more. And then what happens next is a lot of coaches go into this. Well, I need to provide more. Oh my, $10,000. I need to give more of this, more content. That. I need to... <laughs> no, you are not charging for what you provide in content and material and in, in stuff. You are charging based on the result that you are providing. The result is you are saving a marriage. 
it doesn't matter what the other shit is. I don't give a, I don't give a crap what it is that you've got to do. Can you save my marriage and can you do it quickly? Well, yes, I can. That's all I care about. Mm -hmm. Point A to point B as fast as we can get there. And that's it. And if, if, as long as, if you're a coach, if you solve a specific problem, you have the ability to charge a lot of money. Cause this, here's the other side of this is you could say it's $10,000 and you just mentioned it, 80 to $140,000 a year. That's about the sweet spot to, for the $10,000 price tag. But what if somebody's making four or 500,000 a year? You say, well, no, not, not that many people make that much money. A whole lot of people make that much money. I yeah. mean, just do the math. 1% of that is a big audience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so if, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I'm sorry, I just smacked my microphone. Um, okay. and, and so if somebody's making four or 500,000 a year, is 10 grand that big a deal? Now you gotta be charging 25 to 50. Exactly. It, it about 50. You want to hit that 10% mark roughly 10% of somebody's income is about a month's worth of income. Mm -hmm. right? Think about it that way. About a month's worth of income will hurt. Because you I think mean, about that month of work you had to do to get to that, to get that kind of coaching. Right. And people place so much emotional value on money. That's the reason that money works in this scenario. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have anything to do with the coaches trying to get rich. Some are. But if the value that they provide is truly worth it to you and you truly commit based on that value, because it's going to hurt a little bit mm -hmm. and because it's going to hurt a little bit, you're like you said, you're going to pay attention. You're yeah. going to do more. You as a coach are going to be uh, more committed to the results that your clients are getting. Uh, and, and the amazing thing happens. You get happier clients. You get clients that um, uh, argue with you less. It seems like uh, they're, they're more apt to do the work. It's amazing. And because you're charging more, you actually get more clients with better results. So I, I, this, this question just came to me because I saw a post on this from a coach that charges high level, um, high amount. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on paying all up front or a payment plan for a high level offer? say it's 10 to 25 grand or 50 grand. If the coach is pricing the result properly, and that's the big if, and again, listen to what I said, if the coach is pricing the result properly, right? Get the result. Mm -hmm. uh, then upfront is about the only way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, because what happens is if somebody is on a payment plan, subconsciously, most of the time, not even subconsciously right up front, they're thinking to themselves, well, if I get halfway through this process and I don't start to see any improvement, I'm not going to pay the other half. Yeah. They're not the as committed because then they think they're thinking about the expense and they're not, it's a way because, out. because yeah, once they're in, they're in like, and mm -hmm. then there's no thought about the, the payment or anything. It's done. It's right. over. Focus on the result. My refund policy is hundred percent refund to the day we start. The day I open my mouth and I start to help you and we start to work on your, on, on your solution, uh, from that moment, you're either committed or you're not. And you're so committed because you just gambled, essentially, mm -hmm. the, 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 the fee, <laughs> if you will. It's a yeah. gamble. That's what it is. But here's the difference. The house is not in control 
of the result. It's you are. You. That's the difference. So yeah. this can be a hundred percent guaranteed so long as the coach can actually get you the result. If you're not ready, then you're not ready to work with me because guess what? I drive hard and I do get results. That's why I have the clients that I have. Where, where did you, where did you learn? Like, because some people go and they get their coaching certification and they do all these other things, <laughs> which I've never done. Uh, I actually did. I did in football once I got my coaching certification 10 years ago for being a football coach, but I never became the coach. But you look at all these people that get their coaching certification. Where did you personally learn just coaching people and giving them guidance and advice with their goals and everything else? Truthfully, uh, because of the way that I get my results with my clients and the things that I work with them on specifically, um, it, it, it's something that came more from a spiritual revelation, I guess you could say. Uh, it came from over a decade of working on my mind and understanding how my mind works, uh, understanding what kind of power I actually have. Uh, over my mind. And, and then it started from just general conversation. In fact, I, I remember having a conversation. I think I told you this story. I remember having a conversation with a guy uh, and, and I was just helping him. I mean, to me, it was just in, it, the things that I had learned and I understood uh, were the kinds of things that I was teaching him. And just a few months after that, he sends me a $5,000 check and said, thanks for the help. I appreciate it. I never asked. I, there was no fee. Mm -hmm. And so I called him up. I said, what is this? And he goes, I felt like if I didn't pay you something, it wasn't worth it. And I was just like, okay. That was I, an I, aha I, moment. A big aha moment. Uh, and, and then from there, it just became friends of friends at barbecues or my wife's work parties and things like that. Uh, the next friend that actually uh, I ended up having, a, again, a random conversation with uh, turned out to be a pitching coach for the Seattle Mariners. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, while they were here for spring training, I'm down at the spring training games and I'm, I'm working with them. He ended up paying me and I'm working with him. Uh, so it was kind of the start there and it just became this word of mouth. I mean, I've never up until recently, I just started working on some things. Uh, I've never marketed myself really, uh, yeah. as a coach, word of mouth. Done it's all been word of mouth. Uh, and the results that I'm getting are the only reason that these people are showing up and it just seems more and more and more of them every year. And I've worked with state level politicians. I've worked with pro mm -hmm. athletes. I've worked with singers. I've worked, you know, I mean, well, reputation, once your reputation it precedes itself and people know that you've done the work, yeah. they're going to share. I mean, I look at right. some of my best clients, your clients, like they were, they want to tell the world. I personally, right. when I've had a, a great experience, somebody, I want to tell the world about that person. They're not telling me to, but I right. want other people to get that help. So that's one thing, like give the results and you're going to, you're going to attract more people. The greatest compliment that I, I told my clients that they can ever get uh, for me is somebody else asking them, man, what are you doing different? Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. That shows the real results. Right. I, want, I want to make a, a pivot because, again, we were having this conversation and something I've never even knew before is you started how you got into speaking was you actually took a job that hired you full time to go and speak. Like you weren't like, yes. hey, they didn't pay you directly like the uh, the events didn't pay you, you got paid by a company, a salary Correct. to go speak. Can you yes. talk about the process of that and also talk about how you transitioned to turn that into your own speaking business and now you're speaking at colleges and high schools all over? Yes. 
So that is my big passion. Uh, public speaking has always been a thing for me. Uh, it's something that I, I've just always been able to do naturally. Uh, I've been told numerous times in different scenarios, I just kind of have a gift for it. So I just ran with it and I, and I have fun with it. I enjoy it. But uh, the first time that I actually really got paid to speak uh, outside of my own business stuff was Monster, not the energy drink, the website people, the job mm -hmm. site people. And so my wife actually brought it to my attention. She says, hey, there's a job on here for a public speaker. And I said, really? I've, I've never seen one like that before. So we open it up and sure enough, it's for Monster uh, and a subsidiary that they had called Making It Count. And I, I had to send in an audition tape. Uh, and so I, you know, you stand there in front of the camera and you pretend you're giving a speech to an audience of students. You make up whatever you want to make up. And so I did that. Uh, about a, sent it in about a month later, uh, I got an email and they said, Hey, we'd like to invite you in for a weekend training, uh, a, a speaker training. Okay, great. Well, this was the entry level speech that they had. So I fly to Anna. I'm there for three days. There's about 30 or 40 of us. Uh, and we've taken over a little section of this hotel and it's this, I mean, really energetic, fun, good time, uh, speaker training. And what we were learning was this like 16 page script that they had typed out that we had to deliver with these speeches that went along with these workbooks. And so they set up these speeches in high schools and colleges all across the country, but there was only about a hundred of us across the entire country. And I was the only one in Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, uh, parts of Nevada and Southern California. I was the only guy in that area. And so uh, they sent me for, I mean, I've worked with them for probably four years, five years. Uh, and they sent me all over the country. Uh, when they lost their sponsorships and they wound down that company, I still had all these contacts, all these yeah. people that I had met throughout the years. I developed my own speech. Uh, and so now I travel and, and speak at most of the universities and a lot of major universities right now, a lot of different high schools throughout Arizona, but I speak on mindset. I speak on suicide prevention and depression. That is crazy. I mean, just shows like you had the connections, you built the relationships up and then you were able to transition your own business. So what are the, what are some of the things you do now? Like you have those contacts because I know a lot of companies or a lot of entrepreneurs, even people I've worked with have left their main corporate company and they have these contacts so they want to do their own business. Mm -hmm. What, what have you done to be able to get them to work with you versus now they're not working with the company anymore? How, how do you get them to work with you? How do you, what's your marketing outreach to them? So a great question. Um, most people don't know, especially speakers. So if you got speakers listening to this, listen up. Most people don't know that high schools and colleges will pay speakers, uh, average everyday speakers to come in and it depends on the program. Now, there are a lot of grant programs that schools get for, especially in my space, things like suicide prevention uh, and, and mindset. Uh, those, are, those are big hot button issues for me. And I, side note, just so you know, I had my own bout with suicide uh, and my own little depression battle. So that's where a lot of that stems from. I didn't just jump into the space because it's yeah. trendy. Uh, this was something near and dear to my heart that I actually started doing in the high schools absolutely for free. My wife works uh, for a school district here in Arizona, a pretty large one uh, at the district level. And so I was able to start delivering some of these speeches for free because it is a big uh, yeah. near and dear. 
but these schools will also get grant programs for things like suicide prevention, where they have to spend that money specifically on programs for suicide prevention, whether it be bringing in a speaker or hosting an event, whatever the case may be. And so they will utilize these funds to do just that. Uh, colleges, they have speaker circuits, they have all kinds of fundraisers that they do. Uh, all the different departments and the colleges within the major universities will have their own budgets and their own things for speakers and their own uh, uh, just all kinds of different variations of, of different tracks you can go with as a speaker. So the other thing that I've done is I kept it simple. Literally just really kept it very simple. Um, my emails used to be uh, specific to the person, hey, Karen at NAU, let's say. Uh, hey, Karen, this is Dr. Chad. I spoke at your university about a year and a half ago. Back on the speaking circuit again, would love to get in touch and get back on uh, to your stage. My new topic is all about mental health and suicide prevention. Please reach back if you're interested. That was it. A lot of speakers are going to run people through landing pages and, and videos and this and that. Uh, so let me go to the next step. So you're sending, so you're creating a personal video. You're mm -hmm. sending it to your contact. Hey, let's say, hey, Lacey, I'd love to come back to Albuquerque uh, High School. And um, here's my new talk. If you're interested, let me know. Now they yep. reached out. What was the next step? What, when it came to asking for the price, when they said, did they say, hey, how much is it? Like, what, what was that conversation? Because I know a lot of people struggle with that. How did it go in the, the whole, okay, here's what the price is. Can you do that? How'd you figure out their budget and what was that structure like? So uh, it wasn't so much that I figured out their budget. Uh, I knew that the audience sizes that I were speaking to when I was with Monster were pretty large. And some of the events that they were sending us to, like the uh, freshman orientation uh, is a big one for me. Mm -hmm. um, so when I go in and I speak to the freshmen, I'll speak to 500, 800 freshmen at a time. Yeah. Well, it's a big weekend event. And so they have these huge budgets for these events. And I see them bring it. And I've talked to the coordinators. I'm working directly. I'm, that's who I'm checking in with when I hit campus. Yeah. And so they're walking me through. Here's the stage. Here's the sound check. You know, we do all these different things. And so during these times, I have these conversations and I pick up on these different things. Uh, you know, I hear somebody run down the aisle. Hey, Nancy, uh, so-and-so is looking for their check for this event. Oh yeah. Go to the budget committee. We got this. And I, had, I just listened to So you knew exactly <laughs> what the budgets were and figuring this information. So you're going into it and you know, and it's like, yeah, hey, here's what it is. In some cases, yes. Uh, in other cases I knew, uh, here's a perfect example. UCLA, the same year that I went in to speak at the time, my fee was $4,500. It's, it's been up since then. Yeah. Um, but I go in to speak at UCLA as $4,500. My topic at the time was all about uh, college success and how to make the most of college. So at that time, it was a, a different topic. That same year, Sarah Palin comes in. They paid her $250,000 to speak. Whoa. That's what I said. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, does that mean I could have got more? Now, granted, this is Sarah Palin, and yeah. I mean, everybody knows who but she still, is, commands those speaker fees. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. So now uh, I'm a member of the National Speakers Association, although I think I get maybe one speech a year referred through there. Um, but uh, to just have that behind my name is, is also a big thing, because somebody goes to the National Speakers Association and looks them up, I mean, you see all the big names, you see the Sarah Palin's, you see the guys that are getting 50, 60, a hundred grand for a speech. And there's a lot of those. Uh, so again, going back to don't be afraid to charge, 
Make sure yeah. that you're giving a good result. Don't try to get into high school and college speaking, especially when you're talking about kids and you're talking about students. Uh, don't go into those types of speeches just for the money. No, you give a shit about who you're you talking gotta to. You got to care. And, and that's yeah. why I believe, like, I know you raise your fee and I personally just raise my fee too. It's, I have a certain price and it's, it's a high price because people don't realize they think, oh, it's just a 60 minute talk. It's not just a 60 minute talk. I'm doing research of the audience right now. I'm thinking exactly what they're going to want to hear. Like I'm catering the message to them. It's not just a, another talk. So people got to realize that. And I, I, I always like kind of, uh, analyze my own thought process. I always analyze like when people treat me really well, when I come in, I give so much more value. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that charge what you're worth. If you're a great speaker, you fit a niche, you're helping people. If you're changing one person's life, what's the value of that? Like, that's, huge. How, how, that's huge and saving and, somebody's life. And just so you guys know, my fee for a high school is only $2,500. And if they don't have the budget for it and they really need me to come or they're having an issue, because I've been to a few schools like that, I go for free. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the big difference. The other thing is that I may book multiple college speeches or you know, corporate speeches and keynotes or whatever in a single day. I will only book one high school a day. Yeah. When I go to a high school, I'm there for the day. I am there talking to the students. I'm there during the lunch hour. I'm walking the halls. I'm popping into classrooms, but I have permission to do this, obviously. Um, but I'm there for the day. I'm there to make an impact because that age group is the most vulnerable uh, and, and oftentimes has the hardest time struggling with emotional issues mm -hmm. and just not really understanding what's going on in their, in their body. I want, if I want to tackle that quick, um, is entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs deal with stress, the anxiety, fear, they deal with well, I mean, even uh, depression. What, what, because you've worked with people that, have, and you've experienced that, what are just some ways, some tactics, tips, or, or routines they can do to eliminate that? I mean, not totally get rid of it, but like to help cope with that and overcome them. Truly stop giving a shit about the things you can't control. Amen that, that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the biggest thing. And, and I'm not talking about just the intellectual of telling people, yeah, I don't give a shit about the things I can't control or, you know, I don't judge people, this and that. Um, these things that you can't control, you make so many assumptions about, which take your mind either into the future or into the past. Yep. And very few times are you sitting right here in the moment. And when you are thinking about the future, you're making a million assumptions and you're letting your emotions run wild with assumptions because none of this has even happened yet. And you can't yeah. predict the 10 million different variables that go into anything you're thinking about. Or you're in the past wallowing over things, again, you can't change. So stop giving a shit about the things you can't control and put your time and energy into the things you can control. Most of all, the most important thing is how you react and interpret your environment at the present moment. Because that's really good because a lot of humans, and again, I've been, I've done this, is we react to a situation and we let our emotions get involved and instantly we go to the negative thoughts, the bad side. When right. you should, right. first of all, they happen, realize, okay, this isn't going to kill me, <laughs> and then approach. And a lot of people justify it by saying, well, if I replay the scenario in my head, I'll figure out what went wrong and so I can avoid it again. No you're just recreating it all over again. That's all you're doing. And that's the big key that most people don't understand because they just don't understand 
how their mind works. I have, uh, I have a saying that I don't try to teach people what to think. I just try to teach them how to think. Yeah. Because once you understand how your mind works, then you realize how you've been sabotaging yourself. And then once you realize how you've been sabotaging yourself, you'll stop doing it. I like it. So you, you definitely know your stuff as a coach, as a speaker. Um, as we're getting towards the end here, I want to ask you, what are some things you're doing right now today to attract more leads, utilizing social media or video? Or what are some tactics or just some things maybe you're just starting to get into? What are some things you're utilizing to grow your business today? Uh, actually, video is where I'm, I'm really starting to spend more time in. Uh, like I said, I've, I've never really had to market myself. So uh, yeah. it's been interesting. Um, the, the biggest thing for me is that I had a, a client, a baseball player, his wife uh, actually made the comment to me where she said, you know, if you could do this on a bigger scale, you could help a lot more people. Yeah. And I went, you know what, I, I could probably figure out how to do that. But the only way I'm going to be able to do that is through a digital leverage. And so just now I'm starting to do that. I'm figuring out how can I actually put a program together where I can work with a group of people, even if it's a smaller group uh, for a short period of time and help them get similar results that I get for my one-on-one uh, -on -one clients. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's funny because I've worked with coaches and got them out of working with one-on-one -on -one clients and here I am still doing the same thing. Yeah. So uh, I'm about to change that. And so, yes, using video, kind of letting people know who I am, I guess, uh, and, and leveraging those funnels. Uh, I mean, I've got a digital marketing company. I still have uh, a landscape design company. I, I mean, I, I have the coaching business. I have the speaking business. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a lot of irons in the fire still. Um, but I'm just trying to figure out how to leverage it because it is becoming more of a business. There are people that are starting to, to depend on me getting that job done as a coach and, and providing a, an income stream for them. So. so now you're building the process you did for the auto glass business. You're building it for the speaking coaching business and automation system with through video, through the funnels and everything else, which yes. I know you're going to kill it. Yes. Yes. And, and again, it's, it's a different market. So it's a different strategy. Uh, so no, it's not a one size fits all strategy. Uh, and again, when you're talking about digital marketing, even if you're in the service business and you were listening to what I was saying about Autoglass, uh, things change. Google changes. Yeah. The way people market changes. Uh, the way the advertising platforms are set up and, and attract, they change. Uh, so you've got to have uh, people that can stay on top of that with you. Don't try to do everything yourself. That's the other thing is stop wearing so many hats. Mm -hmm. uh, find in this digital age, there are so many experts out there in their fields in every kind of field that will freelance work. And there's ways to find them, uh, and, and use those leverage those that will reduce so much stress in your life and will allow you to spend more time actually working on yourself. You know what I mean? There's, there's 100%. three, three areas of mastery in life. Most people only ever work on two. They'll work on uh, their body, you know, they'll go to the gym, they'll diet, you know, whatever, or they'll work on their craft. They'll work on their, their profession and become an expert in that. Very few people ever work on mastering or perfecting their mind and how their mind operates and, and interacts with the other two. So uh, spend some time doing that, but you can only do that if you're leveraging in your profession, but that allows you to get experts. Having so more time to think, having more time to think about how you're making your thought process. I love doing this stuff like mm -hmm. constantly. How am I, why did I do that? What, what are some ways to perfect that? Get better at that. 
Right. And I think we all should do that. Sometimes just meditation helps um, and working out helps. But Meditation uh, helps a lot, a lot. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that says that the uh, proverb uh, that says that the man that can focus on a single thought for three minutes can rule the world. Three minutes. Three minutes. That's crazy. Single thought. <laughs> one single thought. I'll have right? to work on that one. <laughs> that's uh, it's a difficult challenge, that's for sure. So let me ask you if you don't me uh, for mental exercise, for mind exercise. Yeah. What are some things that I do? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I'm constantly switching things around. Um, one thing I do in the morning is I, I usually just do my workout right away in the morning. But in the last 10 days, what I've been doing is I've been reading for two hours, um, hour and a half, two hours. And, and something one of my mentors, Jeff Hoffman, told me to do is called uh, info sponging. So info sponging is just look, search online, search, look at stuff, and don't even really know what you're looking for. You're just like kind of just uh, curious about things. So doing that... And really just keeping my mind open to different things. Because sometimes we get so caught up in our direct routine that we do mm-hmm. and the things that we're doing, we lose sight of other our things. This is why I love learning about other industries. I love learning about, like I'm speaking this weekend at a home staging event. I didn't even know that was really a thing until they got, I got hired to speak there. So people that stage a home to help sell it quicker. Um, speaking at, earlier this year, I spoke at a, you know, the heating and cooling business. Like learning these different industries because there are so many different ways people are making money out there. I don't think that answers your question. I sidetracked, but I would say really for me is I would say meditation, um, routine and and working out. I don't know how people go without working out me. It's not even about, it is about looking good, but it's about this. Um, and, and also taking time to really just enjoy life. I mean, I, I mean, this is a live to grind podcast, so it's live to grind in your business, but also, if you, I've learned from the nonstop grind is if you don't take a step back and if you don't, sometimes maybe you watch that for me. I'm now, if I watch a little bit on Netflix, I'm watching to analyze how to become a better actor, how to become a better person on camera. So I'm like doing things that are entertainment for me, but also I'm soaking it up for my own things. So taking a step back, breathing, and that's really helped for me. And yeah. I mean, well, and, and being around people like you too, surrounding yourself with people that think big and want to hold you accountable and they're not negative, like positive people really help with your thought process and inspire you. And just this interview today, like it gets me ideas for my own stuff. And I'm sure just us talking back and forth as you speak, you're, you're like aha moments like, oh, mm-hmm. that gave me an idea. It did. It did. And it does. Every time I the talk mastermind. to you, I have a little, I have a few ideas popping in my head. Yeah. So. The mastermind. Yeah. And you got, so I want to talk about this quick before we go is you have a, you want to do, you're going to be doing a one man show. Tell me about I, your vision for that. <laughs> if you're open, if it's, it's too early, you don't have to, but talk about what right what is, right now it's still conceptual uh yes. but yes i do i, I want to do a one-man show uh where i actually it, it kind of a three-act show uh very using my own life uh as the story and bringing in kind of various characters from my life in different scenarios to uh kind of show the path uh starting where most people are 
because you know all the similarities of where we all are the, the daily stress the daily grind the daily routines most of us you know we wake up on the same side of the bed we hit the snooze button with the same finger we get up after the fifth snooze uh you know <laughs> button we'll get up finally out of bed uh step in the shower at the same time get in traffic at the same time every day yell at the same car at the merging lane every day you know we go through this routine uh so if, if I can show people how to break that cycle and what it actually means in their life, uh, both the ups and the downs, and in that process, uh, show them how to take control of their mind through this one-man show, uh, both emotionally, make them cry, make them laugh, make them have a good time, but most of all, make them learn something. Um, that That's my ideal dream. I'd love uh, to pull that off. I, I like that. I'm looking forward to when you do do that, and I'd love to help you any way I can. I, I think for when I'm speaking or anything I'm doing, I'm the same way. I want to find ways to make people laugh, cry, impact them, emotionally draw attention to them because ultimately that's what that sticks with them. They remember that and that's where it causes them to take action. Um, This has been fun today. Where can people find you, Chad? If they want to follow you on social media, connect with you, hire you as a speaker, where can they find you? TheRealDrChad.com. Uh, and everything else, is, and that's therealdrchad.com. Uh, so therealdrchad.com, Facebook slash therealdrchad, YouTube therealdrchad, Twitter therealdrchad. <laughs> so. Follow Chad. Oh, before I go, I'm quick. I'm curious because you were among the 101 of 100 and some people that were at the premiere. Yeah. What do you think? Because this one uh, this releases, everybody's gonna be able to watch Success in Your City on Amazon Prime. What do you think of the first episode with Shane? It was awesome. Shay's an amazing guy. He's got an amazing story to tell. Uh, I thought the episode was fantastic. Did a great job at highlighting uh, the things that he has been through. And so I think you guys really have something. I mean, anything we can do to get more positivity on the airwaves, the better I think we all are. But great episode, great stories, and can't wait to see the next one. Awesome. Dude, thank you, Chad. I appreciate you. And for everybody listening, you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.